This is Near Dark Radio. 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 Welcome back to the show, folks. This is your host, John Gower, and I am joined today by a very, very special guest. He is a psychologist, a public intellectual, a polemicist, a proponent of free speech and personal responsibility. And quite frankly, I don't know how we got this titanic intellect on our retarded little show, but he is here. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Jordan Peterson. How are you doing, Dr. Peterson? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. And I, I just wanted to point out that you you sort of belittled your show at the end. You know, it's it's not it's not common, or I, I should say that it is actually common to to associate numbers or notoriety with value. And I think that's a big mistake. Truly, truly, it is. I mean, I'm you know I'm a, I'm an average five inches, but it's what where, what are you packing, Doctor Peterson? Well, I mean, it depends on what you mean by packing, you know, it depends on what, how are we measuring, you know, it's like measure is a conventional option, I would say at best. Indeed, indeed. And we're all about conventions here on Near Dark Radio, or bucking conventions, excuse me. Um, you've been bucking a lot of conventions lately. What, what have you been bucking in the past few weeks? Well, I, I, I mean, if you've been watching me or paying attention for the last 10 years, you'd know, bucko. It's like I've been challenging the status quo this entire time until they, you know, happen to figure out how to pay me a certain amount and sign my, my dignity away, you know? And now I'm, I'm, you know, it's sad to say that I'm bucking a lot less. Indeed you are. Uh, let's, okay. All right. That, ladies and gentlemen, that is what we call a joke. Uh, Dr. Peterson is not on our show. He is dead for all I know, uh, murdered by his daughter, but I am joined by someone that's a lot more fun. He is a comedian, a cartoonist, a satirist, a heterodox thinker, and an embattled critic of materialism, Jim Bob. Welcome Thank to you. Near Dark Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. That's a, I, I wish I could open every uh, interview with an impersonation like that. I think it. I think it's a good choice. I think other uh, people who are doing similar podcasts, you should probably take that on. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, we'll we'll have Ben Shapiro on next time we schedule oh, a sure. conversation. Yeah, yeah, he might show up this time. Okay, good. I was hoping he would. I have him packed away in my back pocket, actually. <laughs> you are a, a fun cartoonist, a former comedian. That's correct. You did a little stand-up out in the big city of Los Angeles. A little bit. All right. And you've, you've really, your, your star has really risen on the back of your um, little one-panel, sometimes four-panel cartoons that you post on Instagram. But... Uh, you have a very you have a very interesting satirical take that's not not very prevalent in the sense that it's very simplistic, but it uh, it points to a lot of more complex ideas, often philosophical ideas. And I wanted to start by asking you what what you think the role of satire is in a world where the news is competing to be more and more satirical, right? Um, yeah, I think the role of satire is sim uh, probably similar to the role of just the comedian or even the storyteller or the jester as far back as we can go, the uh, the holy fools, um, is to distill 
what is true um, or what is uh, even uh, proclaimed to be true if you're presenting absurdity, um, in a, distill it in a way that it's really digestible by the, by the masses. Um, if you're doing it uh, a good job, you can, you can distill it in a way that's dige- digestible. And that's essentially what a joke is. If you're watching a comedian, they're basically doing memes in joke form. So every joke, you have a premise, you have a, a set, you know, you have a setup, you have a, um, maybe a visual, an act out or something like that. And so they're basically telling comics, but but just storytelling and they're not visual. And that's all I'm really doing. And I think the role of, of the, the satirical expressionist or comedian is to just mirror what is what's occurring, which is, um, you know, which it's not an accident that the, the, if you want to be a good satirical expressionist now, uh, you simply become a good reporter an honest reporter of reality. (laughs) And so that's why journalism is kind of like, you know, we've gone into a world of absurdity where the, some of the reality is as absurd as the the person in my case, who would be maybe inventing the logical end of a, of an absurd premise or, or worldview. And, and that's how I started is going, Oh, that's a ridiculous statement. What must be true for that to occur? And how do I take that to its logical end? And usually the logical end is the punchline. But we're living in many cases, at least in the, the major cities. Luckily, you and me are a little bit away uh, from it. But we're living in the logical end of a lot of my comics and a lot of other comics who've been have been going on strong for for years. So, right, yeah. I mean, uh, you are like I said, you're in direct competition with the journalists, and the journalists realize that, and many of them are trying to censor people like you, people like. Uh, I saw Tim Dillon got in hot water for just posting a fake news article and they all tried to come at him. And it's like, guys, you're, this isn't your competition, right? These are comedians. These are fools. Yeah. And, and there's two games going on there. It's not just the censorship, but it's establishing um, who's the arbiter of what ought to be censored or not. And so what you see now, especially with like, you know, um, Dave Chappelle is suddenly the hero uh, he's, he, in my view, he's cucked on many different things before this, but suddenly he says some things and now Netflix is sort of defending them. And I, you know, normally center center, right people, libertarians, free speech advocates would be like, you could see at the surface, it's worth celebrating, but I see a different game going on. I see a, another level of that where, where basically Netflix becomes the hero and reestablishes um, authority in the matter of what's culturally acceptable. And, and in my view, that's the same thing. It's the same thing as them saying something's not okay. And, and it just points people back to a corporate entity, a dead entity, a faceless entity with no real backbone or ideology or philosophy and right. going, yeah, they're right now. And it's just like this constant ping pong game. You know, you see it like one famous person, right? Says something even slightly classical liberal, or, or right-leaning or center even. And PragerU is just like, <laughs> you know, like puts it right on an <laughs> ugly orange and blue meme. And then Prager is like, look, Madonna said there are two sexes. And they like, they right. don't realize they're playing the same game. You know, it's a nonsense ping pong game, right? Absolutely. And so, yeah, I just kind of wanted people, any, anyone who's hearing that to like, be like, yeah, fine. It, celebrate that maybe there's a turn, but don't take it too far as to worshiping the new arbiter, 
Netflix or whatever company emerges, because this is the the other turn of it. The the turn is you get these woke corporatists showing up, and then you know, for whatever reason, I think it's all to push smart cities and equity bullshit communism. But regardless, um, they eventually they might turn, and so we have to watch out when they do turn. Don't celebrate them because right. it's the same thing. You know, you're just doing the same thing. Right. You're, you're, it's still an arbiter. It's still a, uh, you know, groundless, unprincipled. Well, they do have one principle, which is the profit motive. And conservatives will always jump on board to, well, let's, let's call them Republicans. Republicans okay. will always jump on board to protect those seeking profit, whether they're doing it in a wholesome or diabolical way. Right. Um, well, so what what are your favorite what are your favorite targets of satire? Um as a satirist. Do you like satirist, do you like the people that squirm when you uh, poke them? I do about I used to do about 90% low-hanging fruit, and now I try to reduce it down to 60. Um and so what's become a better target is larger paradigms um or targets that people aren't allowed to hit. Uh, and by people, I mean, authorized the authorized, right. You know, going after targets, but I have a fine line because, um, a fine line between targeting a group of people or a person or an entity. Uh, once you do that, you might be pulling a narrative, a false narrative of like, uh, scapegoating. And I don't think scapegoating is a powerful personal stance. Uh, yes, you can look at groups who have certain behaviors. You can look at different uh, cultures that have certain behaviors, and you could actively speak out or, or ridicule those behaviors. But the, there's this fine line. Like I, I was working on a, com, a com, possible comic where I've gone through this whole thing where, where I go and look at who to blame. It's them. It's the Jews. It's them. It's the black, whatever it is. It's the leftists. We got to stop. The, there's always some faceless abstract body of people that you can't really, really keep or put in some sort of, you know, pasture. <laughs> so, right. uh, but, but it's in us, it's in our human nature to want that, to, to, to be like, well, if we just do this, we can finally have the country we want. And it's like, we're all vulnerable to that. If this, then this kind of uh, logical setup, which is in my view is, is uh, erroneous. It's a, it's a false God in my opinion. And so uh, my targets have been in that range. And then I come through the end and I go, Oh, the target must, must be philosophical. It must be a worldview. It must be a paradigm, a fake paradigm. It can't, you can play around and be like, Oh, the Jews did this. And like, but it's just so limited. It's not even, it ends up not being really true in the sense that, you can't ground um, these ought arguments, you know, in people. You can't reduce evil to flesh and blood. I, I truly believe right. that. Like, you can't isolate it into germ theory where it's like, you know, if we just get rid of all the pedophiles, then we're good. It's like, no, the evil can't be equal to the people committing acts. It can't be equal. Or otherwise, you can just justify utilitarianism. Or justify like a, a you know like a Ted Kaczynski like um, solution you know right so right, he, right. he was right about a lot except 
Ironically, he became utilitarian in the end because he thought, well, if we just do something in yeah. this material realm, then we can find a solution. And so um, that's kind of my, when I look at targets, I've had an, an evolved, um, you know, you know, it's evolved how I, how I even pick targets. And, and I've come to the, I'm pretty much at a plateau now where, you know, make sure it's true or at least for the most part true as, as far as I can gather and, uh, have it, you know, ideally for me, it's at a paradigmatic level. It's not at a particulars level. Yeah. Particulars are fun because you can make fun of caricatures of certain groups. You know, you could really embellish, who they are in how they look or what they would say. And that's fun and that's useful in comedy and whatnot. But for me, I'm really, I'm really focused on, um, on the paradigm levels on like pointing out the fake paradigms. Like I love exposing fake left, right, or, or I should say limited because there is left and right, but it's not exactly how it's presented. You know, I look yeah. at subtleties of that stuff. Yeah, I don't even I, I I've kind of rejected that paradigm. Yeah, honestly, because nothing really maps onto it anymore. Um, right. You can't you can't really say that the right is principled conservative and the left right. is principally liberal. It, they're, right. it, they're not. They're right. They, they pick and choose. Um, they're very utilitarian, like you said. Right. It's funny you mentioned uh, Kaczynski because I, I when I told a couple of my friends that you were coming on the show, a couple of them didn't know who you were. And I was like, well, well they knew your comics, but they. They were like, oh, is he, what's his, what's his deal? And I was like, well, he's what kind of he like a, I mean, he, 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 at least he presents kind of like a Kaczynski type figure, but without the bombs, I don't know. what. <laughs> like, that, if I were to choose like a, uh, you know, like a, what do they call it? Like the short sentence reviews of like books. Like yeah, I would, yeah, that yeah. would be my, that would be a great one. He's like, it's like Kaczynski without the bombs. <laughs> <laughs> he's got truth bombs. Yeah. yeah. Um, you well, so in targeting certain ideas or paradigms, you you do target you do use certain individuals as representative of those paradigms. And for example, you've built a big following of people that are very critical of the modern leftism. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you start going after ideas that lead you to target use or, you know, use as the face of that idea. People like Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, uh, Peter O'Keefe, mm-hmm. and people get very upset with you. Your, your fans get very upset okay. because they think that you are beholden to what, um, defending those people because they're quote unquote allies yeah. Yeah. Don't infight. Yeah. 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 I've, that's a fascinating thing that I now kind of understand because, um, again, from the, if you look at it from a philosophical worldview perspective, there's an assumption made that like a person can't get upset about that stuff unless they assume something beforehand. And the assumption is Jim, Bob, you're on my team and you're supposed to be fighting the left. Like there are bigger, they, they always say like there are bigger targets to hit. And I'm like, no, make exposing Ben Shapiro and his overall view and his behaviors and what he what he kind of pushes and what he doesn't talk about and these things, he's just as big as uh, big of a uh, valid target to me as anyone else. And they're like, go after AOC. I'm like, 
an actress. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna go after like someone who act, who literally auditioned. Like, right? No, I'm like I'm gonna actually. It's it's more principled in a way to go after people who are said to be a part of your maybe larger in group preference. Let's say for the for not having an actual thing to call it. Right. So like uh, a lot of overlapping values, maybe. Um, but it's more principled to go after those people if they're inconsistent at any level, you know, and that's fine. And you got to take the piss out of all of them, especially if you start to realize that it's mostly a TV show and, and mostly funded to keep certain dialectics in place. And it's like, it's, and people like to loosely use the word, uh, controlled opposition. I don't even buy that anymore because it doesn't take much to control people. And oftentimes just giving them a platform and some money and some status is enough. You know, there's no, like I have, you know, at a higher level, maybe they have dirt on people and they make them perform certain, uh, ways in the media. But most of these people I go after, I think they're just sitting pretty and they don't want to lose their status or, you know, their book sales and all this stuff. So they don't, they don't talk about the moon landing or they don't want to talk about this or that. And these things that exist that are taboo to talk about. And, and I don't expect them to, I'm not saying like you should, I'm just saying they don't. And so take it for what it's worth. They don't, they don't, they don't go after these other things, you know? So, so they're worth to me, especially James O'Keefe, who, you know, expose. And it's, I'm just, I'm just like, this is literally probably produced by the same people who made cheaters, like the reality <laughs> show. And I'm like, if once you see through it and I'm from reality TV, I, I did that in, in uh, Los Angeles for a long time. And I'm oh, like, God. Oh, I understand the production. Not to say that just because the, they use production value, that's similar, that it must be necessarily the same, but I think it really is the same because again, it's very selective. The targets, they're very, they're very protected, like in the, in where and who they target. And, and it's always this lower level, like some, some little intern got drunk somewhere at like, you know, with a Cosmo at like, you know, Chipotle. And you're right. like, look it's, what he said. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you could you, take me out for a drink and, and you'll, the other, whatever, the other side will have a field day. You know, right, I'll, I'll, be right, like, right. I'll be like, we never went to the moon. It's crazy. Like, I don't even know what the moon, like whatever it is I'm saying. It's, it's girls gone wild in the political. Yeah. Yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I, I tweeted, it was funny. Cause I tweeted like right before you went after James O'Keefe, I wrote a tweet and I don't have a big Twitter following. So it doesn't, <laughs> it just falls into the void. But mm-hmm. I said something, I saw one of their newest videos and I was like, is is Project Veritas just like using cheap low angle lenses to make it seem like they're whistleblowing? And that's really just they're just cutting on production costs, it seems. Yeah. And then it's it doesn't it's it's all insincere. It's all performative. Like, you yeah, it's. And I think he's, uh, I think he really has a passion. I, I argued that I'm actually doing him a favor. I'm like, he wants to be seen his creative bug. The part that you could tell he just wanted to always just maybe do Broadway and stuff. And like, you know, um, and so I'm like, no, when people present what they want you to see, don't ignore it and pretend, no, he's a very serious expose artist. You're like, no, he wants to be an an artist and he's trapped, whether it's politically, whether it's bribe, whether it's some sort of dark shit going on. I don't, I don't know. And I, I don't need to know. It's just that just pointing that out, you're, people get mad. They're like, no, 
He's just having fun. Oh, people aren't allowed to have fun. And you're like, no, it's something more, it's something more there. There's you don't, some performance going on. Yeah. You don't, you're, you don't make a successful business model out of having fun. Right. He's, he's got, he's, he's making all of his choices very carefully. Everything is very well edited. The content that you see is, it's very intentional. Right. What's coming out. Yeah. Um, well, let's, I wanted to, let's go, let's move on to Jordan Peterson. What's why, why, why are you hating on Jordan Peterson? <laughs> Leave the That's poor his... man alone. His daughter is trying to kill him. <laughs> give him a break. Yeah. yeah, I know. No, I don't give him a break uh, I, because, uh, well, one, cause I can impersonate him. So anyone I'm capable of impersonating, <laughs> I'm not just gonna, I'm just gonna remove them from my wardrobe. You know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, utilize that and, and make fun and continue to make fun and, and present funny material, whether it's just a comic or just a live stream or an animation, which by the way, I've gone full into, I've, I've created an actual, um, series about Jordan Peterson going back to work as a psychotherapist, but everybody he sees, you know, other, um, people in that, in that mainstream sort of, I would call the authorized personalities of the media, um, come visit. And they're, you know, they're actually sitting on the couch getting therapy, but the, the, uh, coincidentally, it's always Jordan Peterson falling apart and crying in the end. Um, so he's really just doing his own therapy. Um, I go after him because I reject utilitarianism. And, and so people who co-opt and in my, my view, he's taken, um, the model of Christianity and the archetypes and all of the, you know, you know, all the elements and some of the language and then he's packaging utilitarianism and pragmatism and self-help stuff and some psychotherapy, some Jungian stuff and packaging it through that lens. It's almost like an outfit you can wear, but it's more than an outfit because um, the truths of Christianity, um, even at the, the consistency level of, um, of, a, of a coherent worldview, This isn't to say like the truth that we can prove, you know, metaphysical truths and so forth. It's just that the structure of it, he he sees it's consistent and even overlaps with a lot of other religions that that emerged that even beforehand, you know. And so there's something he really clings to because it can be formatted onto reality. In other words, it's true because it can be applied to reality, but I reject even that notion because people argue that with logic. They go, well, no, we only have logic and numbers because it applies and overlays the material world, and that's why it's useful. And you're like, no, you can do logic and math without the material world. Therefore, there's something else going on there that isn't materially based and can't be uh, empirically justified. And I think he takes that basic, what I just said, and he he takes theology um, for the most part, Christianity. And, and he, I guess the best way to do it is like the, what I do on the live stream, which is like, well, your life is like, you know, a game of mortal combat, you know, and I mean that metaphorically, but also literally, you know, you're going to die. And it's like, if you're going to pick an avatar, you know, is it, is it going to be Raiden? You know, is it going to be based in Eastern philosophy and mysticism? <laughs> it's like, it's like, do you want to be Liu Kang and do that funny little kick across the screen? It's like, no. It's like, I pick Christ not because I believe. Yet I might believe. At least I act as though I believe. It's that he's the best possible archetype 
the most, the highest being of potentiality of humanity. And it's like, that's who I choose. And it's like, that's strictly pragmatism. It's like, right. there's nothing wrong with pragmatism. I don't argue against utility. I argue against utilitarianism, pragmatism as the basis of philosophy. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that yeah. these things can be justified, but but they can't because they become stri- strictly arbitrary. And that's why I created the self-help authoring group. And it's like, it's always, <laughs> cool. you know, clean your room. It's not your room. You know, your your it's your soul and your spirit. Like, right. how do you work on your soul and your spirit? And right. it's not out there. It's not external. It's not your room. Whether you he meant that as a metaphor for your soul, he it's not clear enough. It's like it's out in this ether unknown. You know, like well, it depends on everything. Depends on something. You know, it's like, and that's his battle. And I don't ex- right, I used right. to expose him with a little bit more. I was a little more. Uh, I was mean. I was mean spirited when I first started. Now I'm not. I just I just expose what I see and how I see it. And then I relay it. The funny thing is, I believe I'm when I when I channel him that I'm actually embodying the spirit and the things that he really wants to say. (laughs) You know, and that's like a big tap on my shoulder. But I'm I do, I make that assumption because I'm like, what does he really want? What do I think he really wants to say? and wishes he could directly. The, he wants to distinguish between a sandwich and a hot dog is what he wants. Yes. To do. It's like, what are, what is it? Yeah. It's like, it's like a sandwich is stacked this way. It's like, you no, you don't actually see the meat unless you're fr- at a side angle. It's like, when do you ever <laughs> look at a sandwich from the side? You don't. Yeah. But a hot dog, it t- it's taking the meat and put it into a tube, you know? It's like, it looks like a little canoe. Yeah. 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 yeah I, well, I, I, when I first encountered Jordan Peterson, what, like 2015, 2016, he, I did, what I appreciated about him was that he brought someone like me who was like a, a prolapsed Catholic back to an appreciation of Christianity from a, you know, for, because at the time I was... I was a person that I, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't accept the miracles. I couldn't accept that, you know, I'd, I'd had too much science in my life. I'd had yeah. too much existentialism in my life. And then like, you know, it, it only very recently started to realize, wait, he's not actually talking about, he's not actually bringing people to Christianity. He's like you say, he's bringing people to this utilitarian husk that has all of the trappings and even practices of Christianity. And I thought to myself, if there was a debate that I would love to see, uh, I would love to see Kierkegaard tear Jordan Peterson a new asshole because he would like Kierkegaard rejects the whole, you know, well, Christianity is important because it's lasted so long. You know, it's important because it's, it's been so important to so many people. It's popularity and it's historical significance is why it's so important. Kierkegaard says, absolutely not. It's important for your, your eternal soul. Right. Stop. Right. Full stop. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a huge, very important distinction because people don't want to get into that realm, especially if their income is dependent on this sort of vague, you know, that people, you know, what he's offered people is he's offered the sort of like the centrist libertarians who who know they assume metaphysical truth, truth, knowledge, 
uh, morality, goodness. They want to try to strangle it down to natural law, uh, take the sort of like, you know, the enlightenment approach, but they, um, but they know that something else is true and bigger. And he's through his work and his, his language and his studies or whatever, he's, he's been able to get those people who are verging on nihilism, verging on strict materialism to get them into at least acknowledging metaphysics, uh, as a necessary precondition for all things. Right. Um, you know, and that's, we could argue again, only in a utilitarian sense that that's good, you know, oh, well, we got people from this place over to here, but like you said, like, like Kierkegaard, like you said, and I'm not actually familiar, but just based on what you just said, I've heard his name a lot. Um, he, You'd love him. You'd gets, love him. He cuts right to the point where it's like, well, no, it's it can't be about moving people over and and pawns. It's 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 got to be so deep and so faith based. And that's the thing is like once your income is dependent on the the ambu the ambiguity of it uh, of of metaphysics and that it can be a lot of things that we don't quite know. It depends on what you mean by God. It's like he his <laughs> definition of God has changed as many as many times as um as a Deepak Chopra, I actually saw a clip of them next to each other doing it. And it was like, it was like this battle. It was like a rap battle, except who can uh, come up with the most wordy, you know, version. But, uh, but, um, but that's the thing about, about that is that once you're dependent on the the ambiguous way in which you attack these things or, or present them, you're kind of stuck because you'll lose a lot of people who are like, Oh, he gone, he's just gone way into faith. Like it would be seen as a right. bad thing to hold because faith's not based in science or pragmatism. And that's why materialism is a trap because you never end up acknowledging that everything you do is actually faith-based. You're just you're just not assuming a, a an absolute being behind these concepts, behind behind truth itself. Right. And so that's the only difference. It's like, and so I see the the why it's important for people in their positions. And and again, from a utility standpoint, utilitarian standpoint, he could just might as well say, well, you know, that's probably true. But but the thing is, if I stay in the position I'm in, I could probably help a lot more people than than you know polarizing myself and saying something so strictly that I believe to be so strictly true without evidence. It's, it's always based on well, I don't want to say that because unless I'm absolutely certain, it's like that's incompatible with faith. It's not right. You're spiritually certain. You're not. You're not scientifically certain ever. Ever. You're no. not like you know. I figured it out, and now I'm certain. If it was that clear, there would be no need for faith, humility, um, you know, doubt. You know, doubt itself. Yep. How that pushes us and, yep. and makes us unclear. You know, it's like you know, and and that's fine. You know, and I we all have some uh, obligation or at least authority in at least pointing it out. It's not a spiritual judgment. People are always like, why do you hate him? I'm like, I don't, I would actually probably have a lot of fun with him if he let me debate him as himself. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's push down on this idea of faith just a little bit um, because I, it was, this was when I first started to break with materialism when my you know, I was in college. My best friend from high school was in college. He was throwing all these Richard Dawkins and mm. uh, Christopher Hitchens at me. 
And I was, I was just like, wait, like, cause I had, I'd read Nietzsche mm. and I was more infatuated with Nietzsche who people, people assume is an atheist in the wrong way. And like Nietzsche, I guess was, he was an atheist. He described why atheism had come about, but he blamed science for it. Right. And I was saying to, you know, my response to this guy that kept saying, you know, how, how are you going to believe in God? How are you going to let people believe in God? It's just wrong. And I was like, well, if you believe in science, you believe in reason, you have a lot of faith in science and reason and mathematics, do you not? And he said, no, that's not faith. And I said, well, what do you call that trust that just Un- unconditional trust you have for these things. What do you call that? So, and, and from there, I just, you know, yeah, I realized that faith is the underlying, the, you know, the prime mover, if you will, of human action, at least, because, you know, you have to have faith that your chair is not going to fall out from underneath you when you sit down. You have to have faith that what you see with your eyes is what is actually out there in the world. There's every single minute gesture and, you know, what, Every moment of your life involves Absolutely. a little leap of faith. Yeah, and from his point, he would say, no, it's not faith, because we know it. It's empirically true. And then you, the, the really easy way to confront those people is to just say, ask them a simple question. Ask them, is science the only way to truth? And they'll say yes if they're especially uh, huffing and puffing and their right. chest is out. Once they say yes, you say, can, you, can, the, can the process, the, the method of science prove that to be true? because they're making a truth claim. And then if it's true, they'd have to actually demonstrate it in a scientific methodology, in an experiment, which they can't because they're using a concept and they're making a truth claim. And there's no truth concept in science. It actually presupposes truth and actually uh, relies wholly on faith in language, immaterial, information also immaterial, laws of logic immaterial, uh, math immaterial, um, the, the fact that you exist, that the concept of consciousness, that the reflection that you are you and I'm not you, again, consistent with the laws of logic, doesn't violate the law of identity, meaning, did I say meaning, um, all of these things, yeah. you know, are preconditions to even uh, apprehend not only truth, but anything at all in the world as an experience it is relies solely on all of these things that can't be verified. Uh, through science. Science is like this secondary correspondence uh, theory of truth that we're, we're able to have almost as a cherry on top. Uh, right. The, it's a, mo- the, it's a model. Yeah. It's a mo- yeah, It's different. no different than the Ptolemic model or the Copernican right. model. Right. There's it's, a philosophy to it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, and, and so a lot of people can't grasp that and they go, no. And I go, well, how do you have faith in the laws of logic? You have faith in reasoning. You have faith that words have meaning. You have faith that, um, you know, mathematics is true and the circularity of numbers and these things. And, uh, and that, you, and, and most, and, you know, to cut to right to the chase, you have faith in the truth and, and nowhere. And I always argue um, that any argument against the existence of God, if is, as soon as you use it against truth, you realize how 
invalid the argumentation is, and you also realize the difference between a material claim and a metaphysical claim. And so any anyone who's a materialist or an atheist, when they argue against God's existence, they're always going to be arguing in the correspondence theory or in philosophy. It's um, I believe it's a classical foundational, like in in apologist uh, speak, it's classical uh-huh. foundational. And that's why even classical foundational apologists like William Lane Craig is as much as I like to see him completely demolish Sam Harris and all these guys and their assumptions and, and, and things and how incoherent a lot of this stuff is. He's still arguing within a materialist lens. He, you know, he appeals to material things, cosmological argument, in the you know design the apparent design in nature and whether you like exploring these things or not they're still within the atheist paradigm and so that's why in the example you're talking with your friend what you're pointing to is basically the transcendental argument which is like you presuppose transcendental truths and metaphysical truths we can call them maybe items in that category and and you just assume them and it's all ad hoc and a lot of these guys will say well, no, I don't have faith in the laws of logic. They just are. And you're like, well, you just contradicted the laws of logic because that's ad hoc. And you and also just describe the essence of faith. It right, just exactly. is. It just is. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, you right. can't really go any further. Right, right. And so that's all you need to get to. And a lot of people, uh, and that was actually the conversation or at least the kind of argument that made me recognize some truths I was rejecting as a 15-year you know, hedonistic atheist in, uh, in Los Angeles. It's just like, no, everything in truth is relative. And I didn't realize how easy it was to debunk that. You're like, you know, truth isn't absolute man. And you're like, that's absolute claim. It would have to be true for it to be not true. It's like, it's very easy when people start making absolute claims and that ends up being the, the Achilles heel of uh, materialism. And it ends really quick because a materialist has to say all is material, in which case they've already self-detonated their stance because that's a truth claim and truth isn't material and they're already appealing to a bunch of shit that you can't find ever right, in nature right. like you right. just can't they're they're not it's not here right yeah well you just explained half of your comics to our listeners so pretty much pretty yeah, much that's great <laughs> um let's move on to ben shapiro because it leads us to a wider okay. argument um you you've come you've come after ben shapiro mm-hmm. It's it's because you're an anti-Semite. We know this. Right. Um, Absolutely. And but what what are your other beefs with Ben Shapiro? Is it that he's um, more well, popular he, than you? No, he's uh it's that, you know, I he helps a lot of people away from the sinking ship of you know democratic socialism, liberalism, that big sinking Titanic. And then it allows people to sort of sit in the safe area of attacking basically naive blue-haired communists who are in debt. You know, and so um, it's very easy to knock them down and be like, you're stupid and communism doesn't work and all these things. And, and there's a time and a place for that for that phase for kids. So he does serve a purpose and he gets he does help people get maybe away from that raft or or he gives them at least proper format in the economic uh, sense of uh, proper language, uh, proper ec- economics to refute some of these things. But he leads also people into this idea, this Charlie Kirkian, Prager U, sort of uh, Stefan Molyneux even guys, even Stephen Crowder, where, where right. capitalism is automatically good. You know, free yes. markets are definitely good. Like, 
And they and what he's not saying, and he doesn't adequately or ever uh, look at it, is that that alone can lead to really debaucherous, immoral uh, shit going on. I mean, I mean, look at the last year and a half. It's like right. you can create products and services and be very successful, even if the product and service is for some a false narrative, you know, a lie. So. It shows that, you know, libertarianism itself, freedom, this concept, free, where freedom is good. And you're like, well, no, freedom it would be a, a necessary uh, circumstance, at least, the condition for someone to be able to um, act morally good or pursue good or, right. or things like this. But it's not equal to because if you can go anywhere that's very free, it doesn't mean that it's, it's morally not degenerate. You know, you can have the most, right. free, you know, look at sections of Burning Man. You could walk in and be like, wait, I, I thought freedom was good. So that can't yeah. be the case. He doesn't really go into philosophy about that. And he kind of just leaves it with like free capital, you know, free market capitalism. It's a you know, solution to everything. You know, what he, where he lost me was, Someone asked him a question about confronting um, falsities on campus or the professor, you know, combating, challenging, right? And he said, and again, this reduces him, and this is why he gets along with Jordan Peterson. He said, well, you know, if a, if a professor says something that you know is blatantly a lie and, and untrue, I, I recommend that you, you don't say anything. You keep your hand down. You keep your, your eyes and your ears to the ground, and you study really hard. Because if you study really hard, you'll graduate with high grades. And then if you graduate with high grades, you make a lot of money. And when you make a lot of money, you can use your money. And it, it went on and on. Like, right. I'm not paraphrasing. Like, that was pretty much exactly... Right. And he's telling people that fighting for as long, truth as long as as long as you ignore what you concede to be the truth and you ignore exactly. the, the 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 inner workings of your soul, you can uh, exactly. make a lot of money and buy a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah, and that only works for someone who's you know I'm nothing against autistic people who don't who are in it, who are <laughs> who are who are vacant who who don't have that thing where it goes no this feel this I know morally. There's something I need to fight for that's not true. Yet he has no problem fighting for lies when they're on the the cultural like sort of fringe, you know, the fringe left. You know, these these ideas like critical race theory and all these things. He makes a ton of money fighting against these nonsensical ideologies and whatnot. But don't fight against them until you you know until you're in a position of power or making a lot of money. Like, right. Since when is money, the pursuit of money more important than the reason why these, these institutions are in the place that they're in the first place, which is because people just put their head down and go, well, I'm just going to be a useful, you know, I'll just do what's useful to me personally now. And I'm not saying get like, I'm not saying get into debt and then ruin your grades and then get kicked out of school. It's not a dilemma like that. It's that there's a way to confront lies or a way to ask questions where the question itself could be enough to make people around you go, oh, that teacher didn't really answer that question properly. It doesn't right. mean you want to bat like this insane battle, but that's where I was like, oh, okay. So that's what he's selling. That's his thing. And it's consistent in mostly everything he does. It's always... Yeah. There's this sense of like, and I, I think that's ideological. I think that's cultural. I think that's based in, in, um, well, it's the godless libertarian type, right? Right. That has come to represent the, you know, the right, the center, right, the conservative movement that honestly, I mean, one example that I used on the podcast, I think the last podcast was 
the the codes, the historic codes that protect you know cities from being just demolished and high-end condos built everywhere. Right. That look ugly. They they're poorly built. They're they've been the interiors are it's it's interior design based on austerity. Right. And yet conservatives abhor those codes and think that they put an unnecessary burden on the free market. They right. put an unnecessary burden on investors who want to develop, you know, modern skyscrapers. And it's like, well, you're literally and you're literally a progressive then. Right. Because absolutely. the measure the measure is a conservative measure. It conserves the city. And you're saying, no, let these fuckers run amok. Let right. them build their tall and skinnies. Let them absolutely. You know, Ruin the landscape. And I, you know, if you go to fucking Paris or you go to Berlin, you'll see how much more beautiful they are than, say, London, because London didn't get on board quick enough and they let their skyscrapers pop up, pop up all over the city as opposed to regulated to the financial district outside of town. Totally. I think that's such a good point because it just shows that culture, um, cultural norms, even in behavior, like what is what we what we protect visually as as um let's say an expression of our culture and our heritage and our history and and we you know explicitly say this is what we value we value things that try to reach for a higher standard but don't the standard isn't utility and you best use of space for instance piazzas uh arches a lot of things that are beautiful are not actually utility based or useful uh for any sort of efficiency of energy or anything like that. Some of Absolutely. them can be. That's that's when you get into really great design and stuff. But but that's a great point because the same argument would go for law in which these types, like you just said, like the Ben Shapiro's, they're always arguing law. I'm a, you know I'm a lawyer. I argue in law, and it's like law also doesn't. There's cultural laws and norms that aren't actually uh, policed through law and they right. actually transcend law the the cultural norms could inform the law but but they transcend for instance uh there's no law, like anyone could dress how they want right they can go out and like you know be skanky the cultural norms and laws could actually be in place to ridicule shame or help people away from that you know we we have this this narrative from the the early the 40s and the 50s where these you know those the squares, the conservative squares, they were the wrong ones. And all, all these, these dirty hippies were just trying to be free expression, man. And it's like the whole CIA-funded narrative about that has us think that the squares were the nerdy ones who were just so boring. And But they were actually the ones, even though they were boomers and they believe a lot of bullshit, they, they were the <laughs> ones going, you know, get your shit together. Don't be a dirty flea bag. You know, this is, there are cultural norms here. Right. And we, and there were, I mean, there were people that were the groups, the Catholics, um, several others that opposed the Vietnam war and protested against it looked just like you and me. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly all these hippies started popping up and doing the same thing. And they were like, what, what is, what are these, what are, yeah. Yeah. And like, that, uh, that was the CIA element, if you yeah, want. Yeah, CoIntelPro. It's CoIntelPro, yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Make, yeah. Make make the movement look ridiculous so right. that it loses all credibility. Absolutely. They I did think it that's to the Black been... Panthers, they totally. did it to the hippies. Yeah. Totally. They're it's, doing it's, it they're doing it to LGBT people now with Absolutely. all the I mean it's it's 
I, I don't. I do, I, did you hear what it's announced today that the we now have the first four star female? Uh, what admiral? Admiral. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Admiral, and it's a and it's a transgender woman. Like mm-hmm. women should be in the street. J.K. Rowling should be uh, leading an armada against mm-hmm. the United States to stop this. Right. Right. That's absolutely what, yeah, that's what's going on. It, it just, it happens like that, you know, Breitbart was kind of right about this commonly used phrase, but there's a missing part of it, uh, which I'll tell you, which is, uh, you know, politics is downstream from culture. Like whatever is culturally accepted can be politically accepted in form of policy and what, what we gather as uh, the norm given the law, you know, and that's why law-based morality, law-based systems. Like if you only appeal to what's law, then you can get into strange land. It doesn't, it can be decided basically. It's uh, ever changing. And like you said, it's progressivism because there's no real truth. There, There's just trends, you know? And, and so the irony is, yeah. And there's no real progressive because the, the only objective basis for progress progress can be truth. That's the only objective one. The rest are arbitrary and ever changing. So if there's no truth, how can you be progressing anywhere? And that goes for right or left, because like you said, you sh- we should be uh, appropriately calling some of these talking heads progressives and and saying why, which is what you just did. It's like, you know, it exists across the spectrum. And so right. um, I think that's the important thing that people are starting to realize is that that there is something in the community, which is funny because the 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 sort of tarnished vision of um, tree hugging, sustainable development, um, community, you know, it means communism. This has been, I think, has also been hijacked so that it's presented as ridiculous and very left-leaning. But a lot of people on the right, the homesteader movement and so forth, they're going, wait, so actually the what I was fighting against is, is this left-based like tree hugger, these, these guys and how they look is ridiculous, but they're actually, I agree with them on a lot of things. It's just that, um, right. They're going to help me build my garden. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like all of these things get co-opted and they've mastered how to co-opt them, especially now with corporate interests. You can make right. something, a, a, a trend in a movement simply by adding some money and some logos and giving it a, a really acute spokesperson. Suddenly a movement gets hijacked immediately and becomes a product that's on the shelf. And that that goes for ideologies too. They've definitely figured out how to hodgepodge, create these um, ways of creating uh, worldviews and, and and religions even, and uh, mix and matching them like it's, you know, like it's, you're making a burrito and you put it on the shelf and you, and you give it sort of like a logo and like, you know, I call it logos versus logos, like logos versus <laughs> logos and how it's yeah, explain perfect. that for my listeners because they're mostly, oh, like, you know, like logos, like the, you know, in my view, the, the essence of, of Christ, um, that, that all, all the regularity in nature, the laws of logic, all the uncreated, uh, things like morality and truth and, and all of these things are embodied in a being and and that would be, in a short paraphrase, what logos is. You know, the the ultimate presupposition of all truth and knowledge, basically. And logos is the hijacking of all beliefs, worldviews, um, uh, teloses. In other words, the the forward motion toward something is is now 
hijacked and given a, a TM, a product, a cute logo, a name, dreadlocks, whatever it is, you know, a, a, a rainbow flag. And suddenly you're man, like, the oh. rainbows are taking over. Oh man. They're just, just every single, I just saw a guy walking down the street. He works at Walmart and I guess he doesn't have a car, but he had his Walmart vest on and the little, you know, the little six mm-hmm. prong star right. that they have. It was, mm-hmm. it was a rainbow star. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was like, what, what do you, are, is he, is he gay? Right. Is, are, are you, are, if you work at Walmart, are you gay now? Yeah. Cause yeah, I need no, to be going to Walmart more often. I don't know. They what love is, that. They love that the whole, I mean, all the companies are doing that. And that's where we get into, um, it can't all be about just bottom line that there's an end goal. And we, now I know, I mean, I've known it for a little bit, but it's, it's, they're getting more uh, aggressive with it where these companies know that the current model, the per, current economic system, the, the borrowed money banking system is failing and it has an endpoint, and the future of it goes into the blockchain and and all these uh, other forms of digital currencies, and they know this, and so they've been racing. What is Walmart, Microsoft, Siemens, Amazon? Uh, there's a couple of the highway. They're all pushing toward a smart city complex, which people just use that term like, oh, it's like, oh yeah, I get it, smart city. It's like future, and all these things are cool, and people like. It's more than that. It's turning the goal of Walmart and all these other companies is to get in the ground floor of the internet of all things, the the, the player ready one capable reality uh, that where the companies can actually provide all of the necessities they that they deem this, you know, they, they just send you a drone. You know, if, you know, I make a joke that it's always going to be Stephen Hawking. You know, they told Stephen Hawking he was going to live forever. And he, little did he know he'd be <laughs> delivering abortions through Amazon Primordial. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, they're in these cubes. Oh, I'm so happy I get everything. It's basically turning. This is the near future of some of these cities. Um, turning the city, the actual geographic vicinity into a platform. We go, we go, oh, on my phone, I'm on this platform. Oh, well, it's the community guidelines of the platform, and we have all this language. Well, no, the physical world, they want to make a platform because that's the ultimate mirror of the thing we've been trained to participate in on this black mirror. And so that's the next step is you've, oh, welcome, welcome to Tolosa, to Walmart City. Uh, before you enter, you must sign this waiver on the blockchain that you agree to the community guidelines of the city. Right. And that's your civil liberties right there, gone out the window in a, in a, in a voluntary exchange fund. Exactly. Right. Exactly. They're a private company. They can do what they want. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Black, I mean, what, and you look at, I mean, it's already happened before the company towns of the, uh, the 1800s Disney. and early 1900s uh-huh. where you had entire towns just built by the corporation, all the goods and services owned by the corporation. If you wanted to work in the coal mines, yep. got to live according Absolutely. to a certain ethic. Absolutely. And the thing is, this is what's crazy is that I don't even disagree with the sort of like the the premise. It's just that you're going to have these technocratic psychopaths who are obsessed with injecting people and eugenicists and all these things. They're determining what the guidelines are, you know, like corporate city or not. Like that seems inevitable with the technology. It's just that and it's not that they're going to have community guidelines in cities like we just discussed. It would be great to have like these norms that I actually agreed with that were held as standards. Um, it's just that the companies are hijacking sort of the the moral 
position of like, well, we we ought to provide everybody with things. We ought to create John Calhoun's mouse experiment, uh, but just call it Walmart experiment. And <laughs> and that's where it's all going. And and they have the technology to do it. I mean, the they're racing to get people uh, on board with a Chinese model where, and they're way more utilitarian. So it's not going to work as, as well, if not at all. It's just that um, yeah, you know, they, they want people on this, this program where the, you have a member, you notice how everything's a membership, you know, when we like, we're like, yeah. oh, cool, you just pay me. Well, it's just a membership based life. It's a lifetime membership to your own life. That's right. what they want to provide. Right. And you know, you get your coin for the month and you play this arcade style life where everything's provided. You just have to transfer the Bitcoin and it comes back to you. And then, you know, you get, you know, you get graded at the end. It's all going to fall apart awfully, but it's going to be very, very appealing to certain people um, yeah. because they're going to be able to live this ready player one life, this, you know, go anywhere, do anything, time travel, Westworld, have access to the collective uh, mind information thing, whatever the fuck it's, it's right. I mean, well, do you think, um, cause this is something that I'm, I'm really trying to hammer on this podcast because I'm a, I'm a musician. I'm yeah. a filmmaker. My, I consider myself an artist first and foremost, whatever I'm doing here is a, more of a hobby. And my, I, I think one of the reasons, like you, you mentioned, there will be a lot of people that this new lifestyle will appeal to. And I think one of the reasons, not the only reason, I know you're not a big fan of final solutions and, you know, one, solve, one, one size fix all, but the, the degradation of the arts and the, the fact that people are not educated in art is something very similar to the loss of faith, in my opinion, in that it it robs people of a way of looking at the world in a more nuanced way, of being more um, creatively critical of the world, being able to tell the difference, for example, between propaganda and art. Uh, what, and I think that I, I think my idea, for example, recently was to start a little. Uh, tutoring program here in my studio where I taught uh, adults and kids alike how video production and audio production work because they are so painfully ignorant of how their art gets to them. They don't understand all of the different steps, all of the different decisions made. And so when they hear a song on the radio, that's just a dumb, retarded love song that or a, I, I keep hearing all these songs about like oh, I hope you I hope that new bitch cheats on you and it's like is this this is all we have and I want people to realize it's not just a stupid pop song millions of dollars and lots of lots of focus groups lots of recording time lots of production time lots of distribution lots of marketing went into that one stupid pop song so it's not just a stupid little pop song. It's something else. And I want people to realize that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think similarly, um, the way f we get food is, is the way you described um, how we get yeah. art. And where it's right. like, are you're totally absent from the process. You don't know. And it's important not only just to regain narrative control in what gets produced, that you can proliferate something you want to see instead of arguing, you know, like 
the the Ben Shapiro's and the Crowders who are just like, oh, are you serious? They're going to produce this now. You're like, make more art. Like, stop relying on them. And 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 you have to give. You have to train people in their skills because if if God gave you a gift, in my case, it's discernment. It's not necessarily drawing. Um, uh, and telling th- telling the truth the way I see it. In your view, in, in in your case, it would be music and expressing what is true and beautiful through music. You, we as a, a culture, as the the you know, I assume you're similar my age. That there's a hierarchical um, system where where it transmits knowledge and wisdom down, and that's how that's actually what kids seek. That's why they're so vulnerable to uh, public education is because they're already in the mindset of wanting the elder to 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 give them knowledge and and power and skills. Except that's just been hijacked by you know by I would say outwardly demonic forces. Um, (laughs) but it's important. What you just said is to, is to be able, whether that's tutoring, whether that's, um, doing what I do is talk to a lot of people and, and gear them toward, I call reps, like take, find your gift, um, find the thing you want to be gifted at even and, and do reps, uh, before you can teach people, get good at something, know your skills, know what your value is of the, that skill and know that it, it transcends the market, you know, right. Right. Transcends that because it's a part of what you just said is giving people some access to their own abilities so that they can then express, uh, what they see as good and true and beautiful in the world. And so, and that, and you need to teach that. And a lot of, we're mostly isolated and we're, we're an atomized, uh, society where it's very debt-based now. So a lot of us don't have the time, but that's the good thing about these parallel economies and societies. Now it's like, people are looking at it like so black pilled or they're like, this is not where I want. But the thing is people need to remember that as that gets pulled away further and gets isolated into these major city hubs, you know, these smart city, crazy platforms, the opportunity and the demand for, for the opposite is going to be huge. The, the true creatives, the ones who are sitting and farming themselves, making their own food, chopping their own wood, things will get more difficult, but that simple life will be valued more. And actually the people I believe in the smart city will secretly be getting goods from very unique, true, authentic artisans. Right. Not from, And that'll, it's going to, the people like you and me who are seeing the, the, these trends for what they are, there's a huge opportunity. Like the more demoralized you feel, this is a, this is what I think the correlation is. The more you can justify demoralization from looking outside in the world, the, the better position you are in to pursue what's good, in other words, because that means there's a demand. That means that what's missing in the world it's a, it, you get to bring it now. It's, a, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. huge. And that's in comedy. Like, Oh, comedy sucks. It's dead. Now that means you get to do it. Right. Oh, there's no, like for me, I, right. I used to argue like, Oh, the same thing. Like, Oh, this movies are so terrible. And no one's making any really funny, good, honest animations. And I just be like bitching about it. I'm like, well, I have to learn animation. And that's right. what I did in the last two years. I just learned it. I was like, right. I have to figure out how to do this and stop whining about other people. Not, making the song I want or the music I want. or the I literally started writing music because I did not hear exactly what I wanted to hear. Exactly. In exactly. the music of, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so 
before we got off, I did want to, I, I, I went back and watched a movie that, uh, or a film that I remember seeing back in high or uh, college called room Two Thirty Seven, mm-hmm. And I laughed, but I did it in preparation because you are famously one of these, uh, moon landing deniers, which I, uh-huh. I like, I like that uh-huh. you do that. I don't know uh-huh. if I necessarily agree with you. I have no idea. I don't, I, that's not something I really think about. <coughs> um, but what, why, why did they, why did they fake the moon landing? And, why? and why did, why is, why is everyone convinced Stanley Kubrick had a hand in it? Okay. Well, one, why they did it. Um, I started with, well, well, you know, he promised it, you know, we're going to go to the moon. And then, and then he didn't know what he promised. And then people internally were working. Some people, astro, astrophysicists and engineers were like, this isn't happening, guys. Like, you know, that started coming out and, and starting to make its way around the NASA campus in like the mid-60s. And they shushed that. And then, um, and then I think what happened is they really thought they were going to do it, including the body of people working for them. And they got a lot of funding and they got, and they got all of America to focus on some doing something astronomically impossible, uh, in the face of, um, war and a lot of shit going on that was not in favor of the United States. And I think they really thought they were going to do it. And at the point they realized that they weren't going to do it, they had to figure out how to fake it because the, uh, the, shit was on the line the 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 that the um the payoff visually optically was was more important than failing and i think they just did whatever they could and and keep in mind back then talk about a guidance system that's why it's so funny that they nasa created a they actually call it a guidance system the thing that guides the rocket uh 230 you know 37,000 miles away and and they nailed it on their first try and they landed and then they didn't only land without a practicing they they shot back up and reconvened with something going 10,000 miles per hour but then they ran out of fuel so they they hitchhiked uh they hitched a ride with the moon's gravity and they just it was all done perfectly first time but the thing the guidance system is so important is that back then the guidance system of society was the TV and the radio only. So in a time period where you could actually control, perhaps even better control the narrow oh, absolutely. narrative that can hit family. And keep in mind the boomers, they're eating TV dinners. They can't, they love techno, this slight boom of techno. Oh, it's in color. Can you believe it, Rick? Like right. just imagine the culture of celebrating the current slight movements in technology, at least in the home, you know, yeah. radios and, and these things. And so they were already premised. It's like when you're in a com- comedy store and they sell the premise and you agree with the premise, you're going to accept the joke because you already agree with the premise. I believe that in the, in that time, generally Americans accepted the premise that those smart people can do really smart things. And we don't know a reference point to argue otherwise. And right. that's why large scale um, deceptions such as the coronavirus pandemic bullshit um, or the moon. Um, the one thing they have in common is the inability for the common person to have a ref- a point of reference because you can't compare it. How do you know what looks like a fake moon landing if you don't know what a real one looks like, right. which is paradoxical? So you would need a real one to, to argue that it was fake. And so you're stuck in this constant. Uh, and that's what every moon debate uh, ends up being, even if they don't get 
get to saying it is it is that paradox exactly and so i think what happened is the reason they did it the first in the first place which i believe actually had some level of like patriotism and like it was you could argue it was good intended it was like oh but now i think uh if you look into the beginnings of nasa if you look at um jack parsons you know the j j jack parsons created the the jet propulsion laboratory before all of this if you look at okay. like um co-opting some of the nazis were uh von braun and his team from germany at the time oh, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. like there's a lot of weird stuff but jack parsons was explicitly involved with uh satan satanism luciferianism crowleyanism he studied it he did all his dark magic and shit he he frolicked around with other sci-fi people he loved sci-fi writing and because he was interested in rockets and he paired well with all these sci-fi writers and their ideas of what could be possible i believe he actually did dark magic i think creating the jet uh propulsion lab uh yes can we launch rockets out off the ground very high into the sky yes what do they consider space even today between 60 60 miles and 300 miles that they consider right. that space by the way it's right, not like right. what we see like oh it's a dark, you know all these like beautiful no, photos no 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 it's not but, 2001 a space odyssey no, it's, no, it's it, jeff it, bezos yeah. shaving his brother's head in a rocket ship over yeah exactly and so what i add Africa. to that the reasoning is that it's it's hijacked cosmology and if you can hijack cosmology and deliver cosmology to people you can actually control their premise uh, and I don't mean control like people are are don't have actually the control. They can regain it. But you, from a child, you learn everything about the cosmos from NASA, basically, and, and Neil Tyson and Schmushdash, I call him. Um, <laughs> and so if you can co- control cosmology, you can control a lot of things because you your starting assumptions are limited to what they give you. That's the real guidance system of NASA, I believe. And because it's tied to these dark elements, uh, mysticism, Kabbalism, uh, overlapping with all these other forms of mysticism, um, all of modern astrophysics uh, and uh, astro- astronomy and cosmology, the language of it is consistent um, with old mysticism. Like, you know, it, it ties in very well. So that's why I believe it is because I think it's bigger than just lying and getting some money. I think there's actually a, a cohesive religious, at least worldview. Um, that's generally based in mysticism that is embedded in in things like modern science, modern cosmology. And I think it's ultimately the rejection of God. To believe that, you have to accept that all of our existence is at the highest level a spiritual battle between good and evil. If you don't start there, then you'll always be wondering like, well, what's the pragmatic reasons they like, what's that doesn't make sense. Like, you know, a lot of these things are based in the assumption that there's no spiritual warfare going on, you know? Right. And I don't believe that. I used to believe that I used to be like, well, now it's, you know, it's, well, you made an, really. you, you made an interesting, uh, statement on, um, what the melt podcast, mm-hmm. I believe that you, you, you mentioned that you had gone on um, Infowars and you said it's it's Alex Jones gets it wrong in the sense that we're not in an in, we're not in an information war. We're in a spiritual war. Right. Yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
And even further looking at that, I mean, they were kind of grooming me. They were like, you know, I was on with this other guy, Harrison something. And then, um, and then in the breaks, they were like, yeah, you're doing really well, Jim, Bobby, it'd be great to get you on an Alex. And they were kind of like prodding me, but they thought I was going to be really like tongue out for selling books, but I just don't care. You know? And so they're like, Oh, I imagine the books you can sell. And I think they were trying to kind of get me to a place where I was desperate to get on with Alex because then, you know, I'm a, in, you're an asset, an asset, an asset. And then, um, and then you could do things but within their range. And I was like, Oh, I can see that happening already. And so uh, I just wasn't excited. So I never heard back, but then I looked further into it and there's this guy, Matthew North, who had some videos, he was never known. And he, out of nowhere, apparently committed suicide uh, after doing a lot of expose videos that weren't even well shared, like, you know, you know, to a uh-huh. high level. And uh, he did an expose on Alex Jones and Joe Rogan and these people. And, and you, you mentioned that term uh, COINTELPRO and it's like, right. It's there's something else going on with that Alex Jones guy. Maybe it started differently. Um, but since going on there, I was like, oh, there's, there's definitely more going on. I mean, he's telling you it's information warfare. He's keeping you in the realm that it's information war. It's not, it's spiritual warfare. And that's not bait. You know, there might be information that informs some spiritual path, but, or, or gives you some level of discernment of what, what's going on in the world, you know, but but it's not information. It's spiritual. It's spiritual warfare because yeah. info and will I've, keep you. Yeah. In yeah. It keeps element. you, it keeps you at the material level. Yeah. 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 And I've, I've had several friends who are otherwise interesting people to talk to where, you know, you get three or four beers in, it's getting to be late at night and they start with the Alex Jones stuff. And it just derails the entire interesting conversation because they're talking about, you know, lizard people and toads being gay. And mm-hmm. and you're like, well, I don't think that's really the issue. I don't think the, you know, Alex Jones, what is swimming to Bohemian Grove is the issue here. I think we're, we're you and I coming to an agreement on what we want the world to look like and then going out into the world and affecting the world. That's the issue. We, Alex Jones just keeps people sitting around debating, you know, right, undebatable no, things. There's never a solution, you know. Right, it's like, right, hey, right. Car- you know, look, folks, the Chimera farms are real. I've seen them. I've seen the pictures. I, I know they're real. Uh, and then it's like, buy some energy drink. Like, you know, right. I'm, I'm not right. against you selling an energy drink. It's I'm like, like just, Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro does the whole, uh, like, uh, you know, the left is trying to turn us all into a surveillance state where we can see right. everything you do. Just one moment. I would like to uh, let you know that safety and security are my wife and I's top priority. And that's why we have a surveillance system called Ring Doorbell. You should go buy a Ring Doorbell <laughs> so, because uh, so, it can spy on your neighbors totally. and spy on your kids. Like, yeah, I, absolutely. And it's like, and the thing is, I don't expect men to give me solutions of the world because I'm not a solutionary. I, I'm, I think there are ways of building out of constraints. Um, you're never going to find a solution in the material world for your spiritual needs. And so that ultimately becomes the problem of being a human, but that doesn't mean you can't like work out and be like, work away from it and be like, instead of like, concentrating on all of this, this stuff, you know, that, you know, they're going to, they're, they got the camps, they're going to come You're like, what can we do now? It's not battling that it's like, you know, right. building towards something, you know, people always, 
uh, say a hill to die on. My, my friend, Owen Benjamin, you probably obviously heard of him. Uh, he's, he says, get a hill to grow on. Like, why are we talking about dying on the hill? Like that, right, even right, that right. is like, what you're like, you know, everything's about creating this, you know, all the narratives end up being about that out there, you know, those people out there and they're coming for you. Right. And that might even be true. They, they might have their plans and they, they want to do what they want to do, but knowing that and being able to pursue otherwise are two different things. Like just telling people how to work out and get, you know, not be fat doesn't get them to the gym, you no. know, it just tells them the info. And that's why, you know, that's why, you know, like you said, it's like, it's you have to be, really you have to be a little more existentialist about things. Right. Like, Cause there's always can't. a philosophical claim behind it. It's like everything that he's saying, there's an ought behind should, why should George Soros and the Bilderbergs not meet up? Like, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want them to, but, but why though? It's like the same right. thing we don't hold our politicians to, which would be funny. It's like, I always think of this skit where they're doing their debates for the election. It's all bullshit. All the questions are totally modeled and, and approved. And no one thinks to ask on what basis is that good, Joe or Donald or whoever the hell you are. It's like, everything we're, we're always talking about and what we're urging for and, and is an ought claim. There's always an ought claim. That's why, again, back to the beginning, materialism is shit because materialism can't justify we ought to do anything. In fact, a strictly materials evolutionary standpoint, everything we're doing is completely reduced and consistent with just flux and just, you know, there couldn't be a wrong behavior. Because right. it's all just an evolutionary expression of all things. And, and right. you know, it can't be, we can't even argue. It's just to go change for the sake of change. It, that's it. It's all reduced to that. And so, you know, whether we're talking Alex Jones, Ben, ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, Dildo Dawkins. I call him Dildo Dawkins. I, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, um, yeah. The, the, we're all talking about philosophy all the time. It's just whether, whether people pursue it further is it, whether they're pressed on it is real, the real uh, thing. Cause yeah. it's not about information because I can present information about NASA and maybe you, you go, Oh, that's interesting. None of that is going to make you a better friend or father or brother or son. Right. And that ends up being what matters is immaterial things. And that's why we have to be careful as truthers, as people on the fringe who are looking at things in a different way to acknowledge information and things that are kind of weird. In, in which case, um, you should get a book called Sex and Rockets, which is all about Jack Parsons. You'd be surprised, like the background of that. It's just very, it adds an element in, in the way you interpret and look at NASA from then on. You're like, oh, well, okay. there's always that in the background. Um, okay. But in the end, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what conclusion you come to. I think pointing out lies, the best you can you can do, or inconsistencies is important, but not because you can finally bring NASA to justice in their lies or whatever it is. It, yeah, it's, yeah. You, you, can't, you, you, you can't go up against the... No. I mean, my uncle said it best. He's a Vietnam vet, very gruff old fella. And he, my, my mom was, you know, we were, they were eating dinner. He's a, he's a lifelong Democrat. She's mm -hmm. a lifelong Republican. And she was bringing up the, you know, the second amendment debate. She was saying, you know, well, 
Herb, the, the, we, we have our guns to protect us from the tyranny of the government. He goes, Janie, shut up. They're going to come in with, they got nuclear weapons. They got <laughs> tanks. You're not going to stand up to that with your, with your shotgun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, yeah. So, the, and that's, so that shouldn't, that's not the, that's not the point of the argument. You know, right. it's like, if, if you and I and people like us continue to get out into the world and build world, build the world the way we like, the way we think it ought to be, those people are going to have less, there's going to be more resistance right? when those people outside do try to come in and enact their nefarious demonic plans. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and understand consent. And that's part of it, building away and understanding that it doesn't ever get to that point until there's a mass of people that have already consented to that right. level of power. It's like, oh, people always think that there's just this a group of tanked people that just come in. It's like, no, they, they groom their people to too. Appeal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then, the, and then they're left in, and that's, this is the important part about self-reliance and understanding your skill. I've seen, I saw this really, really profound inter- exchange between this Australian uh, activist and a cop there who was enforcing the pandemic bullshit. And the, the guy's like, what are you doing? You don't need to do this. And the cop said, I don't like this pandemic lockdown as much as you do. I hate it. And he's like, why are you doing it? He's like, I need to feed my family. It's like, once you get people dependent on a system where they don't know their own skill and they believe they don't have any other skills, so they must go to the government and be their little war, their drone warriors. You realize the, 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 there's all of this, all of this other stuff that leads into it. Like we're all surprised that this thing hits and everybody just complies and all these people shut down and, and then they, they bend over because, well, they need to go to the store. Well, the problem wasn't the thing happening. It was that we didn't realize how dependent we were on all this stuff leading up to this. So that was, it couldn't have happened if it wasn't for the case. So we now look at it and go, Oh, Instead of arguing that they're this totalitarian government, they're already on their trend. You're not going to stop them from that trend, but you might get out of the way um, of it and go another way. And and really it is, you know, small things. Work on your skills, whether it's, uh, you you know, a trade, uh, whether it's uh, like um, artistic Whatever it is, work always work on skills and learning things. Get an apprentice, be an apprentice, or something like that. Yeah. You know, always learn something, and so uh, and then and then start to move toward less uh, dependency. And that means become friends with a butcher, become friends with a farmer, or be a farmer. Do get in a community of people that are like minded and they understand why that's important in fighting this like compliance based tyranny because it ends up not being tyrannical from the gun it's tyrannical from the other the other people yeah the, their compliance ends up being like a new tyranny of status quo and so you want to get out of it you just got to start making stuff and doing things with your own hands again and i know it's difficult it's a very simple concept but it is extremely difficult to do because we're so in, in intertwined in this very convenience based uh, you know, it's basically, uh, there's a book that it's called, neoliberalism. It's, it is, it is, it is. And it's, it's like, it's, it's Henry Kissinger and yeah. Milton Friedman. And right, it, right. we're living with their demonic 
child ruling yeah. over us. And absolutely, absolutely. And, and it's like that. But you got to look up. You can't just look toward the bad and what's scary right. and all this shit right. and be all you know, you know, whacking off to these terrible dystopian views and just so you can be right about them. Like, oh, I knew it. I knew yeah. it. I told you. Don't get off on righteousness yeah, yeah, of yeah. I told you so. It doesn't help. It doesn't when help you, other When people. you're ahead in a vat screaming, I told you so, it's exactly. not really doesn't doing anybody any yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just, you know, I always, at, at the end of even my streams, it's like th there is optimism. There is actual hope. I, I strongly b believe good always wins and that uh, things that are progressivism in, in the name of... Uh, neocon or liberalism whatever you say it always fails because it's not based on the truth and the truth of the matter is that people whether they're late to the party or not late late to understanding this or not eventually they come to the conclusion that the reason we're here the things we value actually are not uh, conveniences those are perks we value interactions. We we value. Oh, I get to know who you are now through our exchange. I, I know your right, I know your right. personhood and I know your energies and and um, these things. Uh, like I have two daughters. Like nothing that could happen in the world could match me simply swinging her around and her laughing. You know, what I mean, that's yeah. gone the moment it happens. There's no. That's not a product. I can't buy it. I can't, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so people always come back to, that's why the Calhoun experiment won't work in human form. Because even if you have these smart cities and the ultimate dystopian shit show uh, emerges and you were right about it, it doesn't, it's not true because the, the truth is a matter of the matter is we don't, that's not all we value. We, we seek these other things and they're all metaphysical. They're all love yeah compassion, humor. These are all meta. These aren't just these minor chemical reactions that they no. can just dumb down. These are deep. These are deep. These are in my view, God given and, and uh, they're given. So we know that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're outer worldly. Like our bodies in the world, we have a physical body. We have things, there are stuff, there's stuff here, but who you are and who I am, it can't be reduced to some as much as uh, Sam Harris wants you to believe. It's uh, not just some response. It's not just chemical smashing. I think we can reduce Sam Harris to a, a big ear grifter if, <laughs> if we're going to be reductionist about yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so let's do it. I, I want to do right before we get off, just a little rapid fire for for comedy's sake. Okay. Little rapid fire, um, short answers only, if you okay. can. Uh, who is this Owen Benjamin, and why are y'all lovers? Uh, <laughs> well, Owen Benjamin, uh, to me, is someone who is like a canary in the coal mine. He steps on mines where other people don't want to step. He steps on them early, gets his legs blown off, and then only years later do uh, does Dave Chappelle do his jokes. Um, but, personally, <laughs> but personally, I know him because when I came out of L.A., and I started doing memes and started uh, maybe making fun of the right wing a little bit because something wasn't right about the consistency. He started noticing my stuff, and then I got on his podcast, and I was at that point only, at best, a, a an unsure libertarian and libertarian for the protection of not being called a Republican or a Democrat, like a protection libertarian, a safety ref. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, his his uh, my relationship with him uh, as it's expanded, he's only helped me 
uh, master my ability to hit targets and do it uh, unapologetically uh, and do it in a funny way that allows me to, you know, pursue my craft, but not be uh, stuck with any particular um, jersey, uh, jersey yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm still, you know, very close with him, uh, visited him, know his family. He's next. Uh, he's right there next to you in bed. Correct. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's. Yeah. Here he is. <laughs> um, why is Charlie Kirk's face so small in compared to the rest of his head? Well, because he's the biggest face in the conservative movement. <laughs> so the only way it's like when they make pizza signs and put the Z's backwards, you're like, what is that? And it makes you look. I believe that he actually had reconstructive surgery to make his face small to counter <laughs> to get. America is just an idea. <laughs> His face is just an idea. Yeah. Um, is Candace Owens white yet? <laughs> no, no, she can't ever be white. She, no, I call her uh, when I do Prager, and pr- I, I always think Prager somewhere. He's just like we, we love Candy Owens because she is our little chocolate pudding popsicle. She is our ultimate. Like they need a black mascot, and they love them. They look for them uh, anytime. They just anybody they groom new ones yeah and, uh, there's two i've seen two oh, popping two, yeah. up recently that yeah. are like yeah. the, there's it's a black girl with uh-huh. braids and mm-hmm. she's like 12 yeah and then there's the gay black kid that loves prada and like totally. screams into the microphone totally. and you're totally. like what is this kid i i, I cannot <laughs> wait for him to have a brain aneurysm live on <laughs> on, on instagram live like what's hilarious about that whole thing is they argue against identity politics but they use all of the attributes and the mechanisms of identity politics it's just like totally contradictory yeah. you're like you just admit it Yep. You are appealing to identities so that I'm you can go. A, I'm a see. gay black Republican yeah, and I exactly. don't like boxes. Exactly. I don't like to be put in a box. Exactly. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, well, Jim, Bob, thank you so much for coming on. If that is your name, uh, where can people find you on Instagram now? It's, it's changed so many times. I've been, yes. follow- I have to keep following. Yeah, I got booted a couple times, and now my my more modest account is the Made by Jim Bob. You can find me there. Various memes. Uh, my books are coming in soon. This is my third um, Savage Memes Volume Three. Um, I think this is going to be the last volume of this particular thing. Uh, um, so there's only three thousand copies. Uh, my first volume was seven hundred fifty copies. It went to a thousand, and now this is my highest production uh, amount. Um, so you can find that at madebyjimbob.com. Otherwise I do, I'm moving more into, um, painted memes. I'm really enjoying taking things that I've done and actually physically painting them. That's, that's where my real passion is, is in the physical memes are cool. Being able to paint something on a physical canvas and have it hanging somewhere in someone's life that you can touch it is, uh, is priceless to me. Nice, nice, so. nice. Um, well, everybody, I got to plug the podcast too. get on over to the Facebook and follow near dark radio, get on over to the Instagram, follow the near dark radio, find us on Twitter. That's if you want. And if you want to be a patron, that's fine too. (coughs) Patreon.com slash near dark radio. Uh, and anything else you want to plug besides Owen Benjamin? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sorry. Um, the, uh, well, I'm doing, uh, I'm getting all my stuff on, uh, NFT, uh, too. So that's like You're going that way. route. Yeah. I think, 
I see where some of that shit's going, but but the use of something and knowing where it's going, you can split them off a little bit. I'm also sometimes opposed to this Black Mirror. Still use it. Um, but as far as being deleted from all these places, I don't think there's a better uh, avenue to securing my digital, at least the digital versions of my work than on a system that you can't delete it ever. Uh, and it's owned by your fans. So I started doing maybe my most like known memes and putting them up as NFT and it's, it's going well, people buy them and sell them. And it's a way to collect okay. and preserve my stuff digitally. And I'm only currently on open I'm trying to get on other ones. Cause that one seems to really rape you on the, on the gas fees. So I'm trying to figure I I'm really still retarded in the, in the technology. I know I understand what that interface is and how it works, but there's so much to it that I'm, I'm still in, in a, place of learning is how to how to best put my stuff up and have people access it in a way that's not like ridiculous yeah. ridiculously expensive well, i'm still trying to figure out what bitcoin even is so right well it's nothing <clears throat> yeah <laughs> well that's why it's <laughs> that's yeah, why it, yeah um and then uh as far are you on instagram too because i'm gonna once you give me a link to this, I'll probably take a clip and put it on my Instagram and push people. Yes. I only, I really only do clips. I, okay. I, it, the YouTube thing, like putting the whole thing up on YouTube. Okay. It seemed like a good idea, but then, you know, waiting 10 hours for a video to upload and then watching it get, you know, 72 views. I was like, well, okay. Well, All right. Okay. So I'll, well, I mean, I'll, uh, post, I'll post clips of it on the Instagram. Uh, just for promotional purposes. And yeah, you can, you'll be able to share those. And, and do you do a lot of interviews? Do you get more and more people? Or is this kind of like every once in a while, you'll just want a conversation? It's weekly. Oh, okay. It's weekly by this point. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a, a great guy, uh, has a giant metal shop right down the street from my house. Uh, his, his slogan is make the means of production. He's going to be awesome. on next week. I think. Well, but, I mean, yeah. Is there, so is there another place that people can f listen to the entire thing or are you just going to make a all yes. clip? Okay, no, no, okay. Yeah. It'll be on okay. Apple podcasts, Spotify, okay. Uh, okay, all of the, all of the other ones that the Spurgs use. Oh, uh, gotcha. Okay, good. And then, yeah, the Instagram is just like a promotional Instagram. Okay, cool. Then, then when it's done or whatever, send me whatever you have so that I can know to put it in my things that I post so that I can at least direct them because they're going to want to listen to the whole thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and folks, we will see you next time. You're welcome. Fuck. <laughs>